let's reflect on just where we're at when it comes to this entire election process, which in my opinion, I feel like time has been slowing down uh, because we're now on the eve of battle. Uh, being tomorrow, that's just one more battle uh, leading into January 20th. Uh, and what we have been seeing in this country unfold uh, has been nothing short of extremely revealing uh, and character building, to say the least. And I've been following information ever since Election Day. And I remember the moment, the moment when I saw that bump that went for Biden at 4.30 in the morning in Michigan. And I remember thinking to myself, there is something really wrong with what just happened. And it was just the beginning. And I knew that, and everybody, we, we were essentially, I mean, and many people have, have coined it perfectly, which is that the entire election is almost like a cyber warfare Pearl Harbor. And it's just kind of a surprise attack on our country. Uh, but using, of course, domestic intelligence and domestic assets uh, in the United States, meaning the Democrat Party, the apparatus, the political machine, uh, you know, and Facebook, uh, even though I'm streaming on Facebook, I mean, Google, just a, con a conspiracy, if you will, of conglomerates and powers uh, that control most of our markets and most of the way the world works in terms of our governments have conspired to steal an election from a populist president who is not the most well-spoken uh, and is not the most popular among everybody because of the way in which he does things. But uh, to that end is somebody they do not control. And he has done some amazing things for the country. And so since election day, there has been so many theories, so many, uh, so much news and information. And what happened really overall is a complete breakdown of information. We saw mass censorship like we've never seen it before. And the reason why that is, is because we know that for some reason, again, this is just facts, but censorship tends to favor one political party over another. And so in order to play politics, these social media companies waited to uh, basically enforce these censorship policies to the fullest extent until after the election so that they could uh, not have any backlash, if you will, during the election. Because I think at this point, every single day that goes by that has gone by after the election, uh, what we have seen is people who were independents, uh, who in some cases are even Democrats, who are regular, average, common, common sense folk see what happened on election day and they see the censorship, they see the media apparatus, they see the political apparatus completely assaulting a populist uprising in this country. It's so obvious, uh, again, and I say that because it, it is, to the people that are common uh, to common sense. And uh, this is just an interesting thing. And so when we, when we look at all this news and information that has unfolded, I have been very careful and I've been very mindful about the stuff that I've decided to share with you guys. Um, but, you know, what I've come to a lot of conclusions during this process has been uh, one of them would be that Trump ultimately controls the executive 
um, powers, the executive branch in this country. And uh, as, you know, voter fraud and election fraud and things had unfolded uh, during this entire period of time, what we've seen is uh, I would compare really a sheriff in a small town who can you know who's the ultimate you know the chief law enforcement officer of the of the town and he sees a video of a you know a gas station robbery and he's got the person identified he's got the uh, the license plate number on the car that drove away uh, he's got all the evidence he's got bullets on the ground he's got all this all this going and the sheriff looks at this this evidence and just complains about it and doesn't really do anything about it. He doesn't start an investigation. He doesn't. He doesn't uh, go after uh, prosecute anybody, and uh, you know, basically get to the bottom of it, right? So imagine a sheriff is sitting there looking at a crime being committed, and all he does is complain. And in many ways, that's what Trump has been doing. The lawyers and the advisors around Trump are basically telling him not to use his abilities to investigate these massive crimes, not just of election fraud, but we have, you know, obviously, you know, sex trafficking and we have, you know, big problems with our, even our political apparatus. It's just literally they're running mad all over us and this whole country is losing itself because we have tolerated the crimes, massive crimes that should be punished. And so... In, in a lot of ways, I looked at Trump complaining about the situation as really a part, a part of the problem because he wasn't willing to do what was unpopular. Because to be honest with all of you, Donald Trump is not a mean person and a racist person and a rude person. Trump is actually a nice person and in some cases, some cases, not all, kind of a pushover. When it comes to playing nice with the media, playing nice with other politicians, and he really just believed that these uh, these uh, these government agencies and these other politicians would just go along with what he wanted to do for the country because it was obviously the best thing for the country. Whether that means renegotiating trade, whether that means pulling our troops out of foreign wars that you know really aren't taking us anywhere, whether that means starting space force and exploring you know the moon and later Mars. I mean, there's so many different things he's done from the executive position that are very popular, that make sense, uh, that would really uh, essentially arouse his base, if you will. Um, but you know political parties and, and uh, politicians overall and government agencies, they just wouldn't get behind him. And he really genuinely believed that they would get behind him. They, he genuinely believed that, you know, that this, this, this political apparatus, this swamp, if you will, commonly referred to, would uh, actually turn themselves around. And, you know, uh, by seeing good uh, and by seeing a leader bold in action, that they too would take bold action. Now, of course, I will say that that is true. I mean, you do have a lot of politicians who have stepped up into the fold, if you will, into the fray, and have standed or, or stood boldly uh, with the president in major issues that matter to the American people uh, and matter to the future of the country. Now, with all that being said, we basically see that same exact political apparatus, which hates all of you, hates the common people, hates the American people, and they hate Democrats and Republicans. They genuinely think liberal thinking scholars and academics 
and working class people are just losers and idiots for believing in all the lies that they spew. Uh, and then they believe that conservatives are the problem because they're a little too rough and wild and they're wanting too much freedom and we need to kind of suppress that and we need to control that movement. And really it wasn't just conservatives that voted for Trump, for example. It's obviously a populist movement. Uh, now, with all that analysis on just the Trump movement and the way in which he gained power and the way the things he did, um, we see now that breakdown with this election fraud and then the fact that it's just really a cover-up operation for Republicans to not, you know, you know, uh, see into it and not look at it. And so, really, it just was an opportunity for them to end the Trump era and sort of regain power with the with the people, where maybe possibly uh, they could, you know continue their sort of uh, tirade of control and, 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 and sharing power with the Democrats. Um, but what we're seeing now is truly a complete collapse, actually, of the Democrat Party. I mean, why would they run Joe Biden? Where is he? What is he doing? He's sick. He's weird. I don't... Nobody should hate Joe Biden. He's just a victim, I think, to criminals who are trying to force something to actually happen. Um, you know, I can, I mean, imagine a couple movies that would reference something like that. It's just, you know, and I explained this to my friend, I said that the election fraud and the, and the, in the, the crimes that were committed that stole the election, essentially, uh, they weren't Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12, Italian job style, uh, movies where they were a badass heist and it was well thought through. It really looked like a dumb and dumber situation. That's more the movie I would refer to when referring to the election fraud and how they stole the election. Because clearly there were so many different aspects to the, the, the steal, if you will, that were so obvious, that were so over the top, that I think that it, it was a crime so big that uh, they just said, hey, you know what? I think that uh, no one's going to actually investigate it, right? And so... This is where we have come, is that the political class has actually really truly felt very secure and comfortable with the idea that they can continue to commit massive crimes uh, and get away with it. That is the, the breakdown of society, and that's why the Roman Republic fell. It was a breakdown of civic duty. It was a breakdown of common civil law, civic law, and, and it, was a, it was just this collapse of morale. And, uh, and moral values. And that's why a republic falls. And so we're actually in the middle of this storm right now, where, which is what I've been explaining with friends and stuff, is that Trump won in a landslide. So, you know, they hit him hard on racism and, and COVID and everything else. They did a great, excellent job with the propaganda rough shots in the media and the Instagram models and God knows what else. Uh, and so they, they did a great job, but you know, Trump still won. And not only did he win, he won in the most historic massive landslide in United States history. Um, and well, the electoral college, I would say Reagan obviously sweeps that one, but in terms of the popular vote and just the amount of energy and the flow of, of people wanting to be in the election process, he won a massive turnout and, um, won decisively. And so what I've been trying to explain to my friends is that, you know, it's not about really Trump and it's not about worshiping Trump, but really it's just about acknowledging populism and acknowledging freedom and acknowledging capitalism and acknowledging the free principles that are established in our country that have been able to bless us 
uh, over a long period of time. And so the consciousness of our country voted for populism and freedom. The consciousness voted for freedom. Uh, because we clearly knew that a vote for Biden, if you thought it through, was a vote for evil, was a vote for suppression, was a vote for oppression, was a vote for slavery, was a vote for a tech overlord to control, essentially, uh, really implementing, I guess you could say, a matrix like we've never seen before. And people sort of thinking typically about this, maybe people in older generations, because they've been through a lot, I think that they're sort of apathetic because they don't realize the costs of this particular election and how this is a nation-moving, nation-changing, nation-destroying, potentially, uh, decision that this that this was election was. So, you know, people have to realize that that's where we are. Um, and once you acknowledge that, which I can now see some of these senators and, you know, congressmen, congresswomen who are going to be objecting these electoral votes and all this stuff, realizing their constitutional power, as well as the state legislators power to fix uh, their problems, you know, make sure that the correct election results are certified and all of this sort of jargon. And I think that um, there was a lot of differences between it all. And I personally believe that uh, there was a point where I said, you know what, I'm going to stop following politics if Trump does not send an investigator into this fraud and all to, all these crimes because ultimately he is the uh, chief law enforcement officer of the United States, right? So if he's the chief law enforcement officer and he's bitching on Twitter about crimes that were committed and he openly says that it's a crime but he doesn't do anything about it, that essentially makes him a part of the problem. And so at one point during this process, I said, you know what? Trump is the ultimate uh, deciding factor. What he decides to do is going to either win or lose the election. It really doesn't have to do with Congress. It really doesn't have to do with the state legislators because God put the power in him. And he is in the position, in the executive position to use that authority that God has given him. And the way I look at it is, hey, you know, God gives us these opportunities to make grand changes and to make a difference. And uh, we have failed. We fail all the time. And so the question was, is Trump going to fail? Because it's not about Trump anymore. It's about the entire country. Because by stealing this election, it sets a very wide precedent because, again, I'm not going to get into the really the semantics of the steal of the election. If you don't know that the election was stolen at this point, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast because you're not living in reality, okay? In reality, we have massive crimes that were committed that stole the election from Donald Trump. So the fact that, you know, Trump wasn't going to investigate it and that Trump was, you know, essentially causing those problems, I looked at it like, hey, look, he's missing this opportunity that God has given him. Um, but again, you know, who knows, right? Because the amount of work and energy he's already put into actually saving the election, the thing I've, I've thought about this entire time is the fact that he has not conceded. Why hasn't Donald Trump conceded the election? And the, the answer is, look, I mean, the guy, the guy is old. He's a billionaire. He could walk away from all the bullshit. He really can. Ask yourself, why would he stay? You know, why would he actually want to fight to do what's right for the country? And the answer is very simple. It's because he's living a larger purpose. There really isn't any other answer. It's not because he wants power. It's not because he wants to rule the country and do all that stuff. No, he does feel a calling. It, you, what you see from the media and the establishment, if you will, the matrix, if you will, is the propaganda that he's some controlling 
uh, factor and everything. But in reality, he just came in and disrupted all the powers that were coming out of DC. And to give you an idea of DC itself and the way they think, 92% of Washington, D.C. voted for Biden. So please explain to me how people in D.C. and the people who run our government and run our federal government are, you know, uh, privy to conservative values and at the very utmost uh, privy to populism at all in any way, shape, and form uh, with Trump. And the answer is very clear with an 8% turnout for Trump in Washington, D.C. itself. So, you know, um, overall... You know, the what's embarrassing really is that the Democrat Party had to do what they did uh, in order to win an election. I think obviously they could have won, they could have done a better job without Biden. Biden was an idiotic choice. But now we see clearly that Biden was the perfect choice because it is the 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 epitome, uh the the the, the ultimate sign of a of a of a uh, of a delusional uh and and uncontrolled uh, person who literally is is not even relevant anymore at all. And you have people like Nancy Pelosi who run the Democrat Party as well. And again, it's just a very aging party. And so, with this steal that they had to do in order to win, what you what you also saw was the death of the Democrat Party. Essentially, the Democrat Party has become a criminal organization that is based in large cities across the United States. I mean, there is no rural areas at this point since since Trump. There are no rural counties that vote Democrat. There's no working class Democrat that, that doesn't exist anymore. It is a it is a corporate and um, and city wide uh, throughout the entire nation in mean, all these different cities uh, uh, conspiracy, if you will. I mean, that's what the Democrat Party has come to. And you can go as far back as, as slavery and everything else being the fact that the Democrat Party was has been this way since the beginning. They've been the party of slavery, the party of the whites, and all of this other stuff. And it's a stain on our country. I don't harp on it ever. I don't really bother with it too much. I obviously know our, our nation's history. I know our stains. But I also know that we've ended the, you know, the evil in the world in many ways. And we've, you know, inspired freedom across the world. So again, you know, the world is very a nasty place. And there's slavery to this day all around the world. Um, but America, you know, is a is a leading light out of that evil, and so kind of bringing me more to the spiritual side of this entire uh, process that we're existing in now, which is the fact that, like I said, conscious, like consciously, the the nation voted for populism and freedom. They voted Trump, okay, um, and that that's the truth, okay. Not only just the popular vote, but the the overall electoral college as well. So when you think about that, putting in Biden at this point in office is is truly, truly a, a the, the most uh, egregious crime of against humanity that this nation has ever seen. Because what happens when you when you vote and then you your vote doesn't count, um, and then they they not only elect somebody that you didn't vote for and that the nation didn't pick, but then you triple that down with the most authoritarian measures this country has ever seen when it comes to COVID-19. And then of course, COVID-20 and 21 that are coming, they're on their way. So when you take away the ability for the people in a nation to decide who their leaders are, and then you put leaders in positions of power and implement the most authoritarian measures the country has ever seen, that's a road into a revolution. 
And so if we don't fix this now, if we don't come to a consensus with what's been going on here, uh, then we will be going into a revolution, essentially. Uh, we will be uh, headlong into one. And that's not something that you know any of us actually want, but it's also the spirit, the revisitation, if you will, of our founding fathers when, uh, of course, Benjamin Franklin famously said, it's a republic if you can keep it. And there has to be, at this point, the masses who chose populism and freedom in this last election, they have to rise up. Because it'd be one thing, I'd be the first one to say it too, it'd be one thing if Biden really won. And I'd be I'd be the one to say, hey, look, the people are the problem. I, I would actually say, look, the propaganda is too strong. I would actually say, the people are too manipulated and the matrix is growing in its power. But the opposite is true. They had to steal the election because they're pathetic. They have no ground game. They have no, and this is the this thing that gets me, the Democrat party itself, including the Republican party in many ways, but the Democrat party and the political apparatus, they're, they're lazy. That's what gets me the most. They're lazy. They never even sent Biden out you know, to actually have a real crowd and, and, a real, and a real movement. I mean, nothing. They are that lazy because they, they knew the, the crime was going to happen. And so that's where we're at. And again, moving into this more revolutionary mindset, we, you know, if they actually end up putting Biden in somehow, you're going to see not Antifa-style theatrics in the streets. Uh, you're going to see legitimate attacks on our institutions from organizations that are going to try to implement constitutional authority and constitutional power back into the United States because clearly what has been happening now is a total violation of our freedoms and of our constitution, the very framework of our country. And so you don't just tolerate that kind of stuff. You cannot just do that. And so that's why people are having this revolutionary conversation because that's exactly the default position that you're put in right now. So we have to legitimately take off the mask. We have to go outside. We have to do what's right for our friends and family, uh, whatever that means for you. And so we can't submit to a tyranny that con spiritually, consciously, we didn't choose. Does that make sense? Like if we consciously, if, if, I, if the mass population of the country chose Biden, chose slavery, chose authoritarianism, chose communism, as their system of government and, and their system that they want to live in, I would say that we need to work with the people and we need to revitalize the people. But we don't need to revitalize the people because the people have all the power and right now the people want freedom. The people chose populism. The people chose Trump. And so don't attack your neighbor with the Biden sign in their front yard. They're irrelevant. They're not your enemy. Your enemy is the, again, the political apparatus, the media apparatus, the these uh, corporations that mean to do you harm. Again, not all corporations are bad. I'm just saying that there are, of course, mass media, uh, social media, things like that. These are, these are operations that are hurting the American people and are hurting the American psyche. They are destroying your life. And so uh, now they've taken complete control complete control of all of this. So we cannot tolerate this any longer. We have to stand up. 
So we're not there yet, exactly, but we are now because, it, I mean, in terms of D.C. in this very moment uh, with this whole, you know, Congress voting and everything, which, again, Congress could very easily betray America. Vice President has the authority to essentially take whatever electors that he sees fit, and he can toss out the electors that he saw that were unconstitutional, or he can kick them back to the state legislators where they would have to recertify or decertify and recertify a legitimate slate of electors to be counted towards the presidency. So there's a lot of things going on, a lot of lawyer talk and everything, but the point is that this is about fights that matter, right? And we have to focus on the stuff that's actually going to do something, right? And tomorrow is a big day uh, and it's going to be a very telling day, but it won't be the end all. Uh, there's going to be still a lot to get what we, uh, the people, have already decided, which is a Trump victory. We have to close the deal. We have to close the deal on this victory that was a massive landslide on November 3rd. Now, the soul of our nation in the balance, what does that even entail? I think what I'm trying to get at here is, you know, our our entire consciousness, has been, as I've been referring to, is at stake. And we have to come to this uh, ultimate conclusion that we get to decide the future right now. Um, you know, in the way uh, markets work, millennials are, you know, we make fun of millennials all the time. But millennials are actually the, the entirety of the market share in the world right now. So what millennials choose in the marketplace right now is that's what goes. It's the millennials who put... Blockbuster out of business. It's the millennials who made Facebook a you know a, a huge titan in the industry, right? Of social media and stuff. And so it's the millennials who have actually moved markets. Well, in that same retrospect, our soul of our of our nation, our consciousness, is what's going to is what's at stake. We have to make these conscious decisions individually, and we have to start coming together as a collective as well. Uh, and, you know, of course, we've been doing that. You've been seeing some things with protests and, you know, getting together, doing phone calls and stuff. And my call to action really would probably be to get in person with people, have meetings at your house, have parties at your house, have gatherings, because at the end of the day, we're losing the freedoms to have gatherings at all. And so I would say that's one thing. It's a call to action. But, you know, what's happening is a is really a good versus evil. And, um, you know, when you read history and you study history, I mean, there are, there are just countless examples of divine intervention, saving the day, things that would just are impossible, uh, impossible to explain that actually move, uh, you know, the course of history and what, what's going to happen tomorrow. And then the following days after that, leading to the 20th, for example, it's going to change history forever. It's going to change the course of this of this country and ultimately the entire world. Um, I would say that my friend in astrology would probably concur with the fact that we are in a very moving and shaking time period. So, you know, this is where we're at. And um, look, I mean, we have so many things that are going on. I've been covering the Chinese influence, the foreign influence in our elections. You know, China just laughs at us. They cannot believe the uh, buffoon nature of our politics and our media and our propaganda that they actually fund in many cases and they ultimately run through Communist Party members that are infiltrating in the United States. And so we have a real problem right now with China. And I think what you need to know as, as the American people 
uh, and really anybody listening around the world, is that uh, the New World Order, if you will, the, the bank elite, the bank cartel that actually control the entire economies of the United States and Europe and many places in Africa and South America and Central America, um, they have chosen China as their uh, new leader. Um, they've built up China to be ultimately the most evil place on the planet. There's slave labor. There's concentration camps with Muslims in them. Uh, there's, you know, forced uh, abortions that were there. Uh, there's just so many ex extreme human and environmental issues in China uh, that essentially, you know, they've been getting away with. And uh, I could explain that in a spiritual way. China is hell. China is is literally the most disgusting, horrific place to be at this moment in time. Now, people who live in China have lived in China. You know, they don't really get the full context of it. If you're a Chinese citizen, you live in, author in an authoritarian communist government and you have a social credit score. You have uh, just in increasing uh, tyranny happening. And the bank elite, the banker cartel, have chosen China to give all their credit to, to give them free loans, to help China grow, because China is willing to commit the most evil acts in human history. Human history, okay? Um, if you don't think that's a spiritual thing, then I, I, I can't help you. Maybe you don't have a spiritual background. Uh, but again, that's pure evil. And it's so obvious. It's obvious evil. It's in-your-face evil. Uh, and people need to wake up to that. China being on the border of Canada, you know, having working with the Canadian government right now to conspire against the United States. I mean, look, I mean, the China, China is just waiting patiently uh, because if Biden actually gets in and they, imp of course, you know, Biden won't actually be doing anything. It's going to be the, uh, the, the advisors and the executive branch that's just going to go rogue. And they're just going to start, you know, prosecuting people the way they want to. The attorney general, he's going to, I mean, it's just going to be ridiculous. And so while the country falls apart, really, truly, because you thought 2020 was horrible, right? Like, oh my gosh, all these small businesses are out of business. Oh my gosh, it was so scary. Okay, no, that's 2021, 22, 23 are going to be the most horrific things you've ever seen because China is waiting patiently for the destruction of this country economically, which they've already, you know, been proud and, you know, openly shared how they control our, our economy and how the, the whole world's economy has, has collapsed and they have succeeded uh, because of their wonderful COVID-19 bioweapon. And so, you know, what's going to happen with our country is it's actually going to collapse. Uh, it's going to be a forced collapse. None of it needs to happen. Um, you know, there, there's going to be obviously a rise in populism and other things. And I'm going to get to that good news and stuff in another podcast and some possibilities. Even if Biden gets installed as president, there's definitely a way forward. That's a positive way forward. Uh, and I'll just mention one thing about that uh, really is just now that Trump would be gone, the best thing about that is that no one is going to rely on one person to, to solve their problems. The problem solving uh, consciousness will will revert back to the people. Does that make sense? Because a lot of us, let's say, who actually know what's going on in the world are kind of looking at Trump like, you're our leader, please do what's right. Um, but if they install Biden, we will know that there's no convincing Biden or his his team, his the, the actual people who run him to do anything that the people actually want, right? Um, even including Black Lives Matter, including all the leftist stuff, both sides, okay? So what's going to happen is the people will have to weaponize themselves 
and go out and make a difference. So, but we'll get to that another time. But with China patiently waiting, what what essentially they're trying to do is look, look, they, they're overpopulated in China. Um, they they need our land, they need our food, and uh, they need our people to be really slave workers. And they've been waiting patiently. They've been doing this since Mao Zedong and. In uh, 1949, they've had a 100-year plan to destroy the United States. And so they've actually crunched those numbers now where they believe by 2027, they will uh, completely overtake the United States uh, as the world's superpower. And they will probably and in- inevitably invade the United States and completely crush this country all- once and for all. And the only way that truly happens is because we as people – are essentially apathetic and we don't care anymore and we could we're not really connected with our soul we're losing touch with who we are and i don't know if it was john adams that said famously said that this constitution this framework of government is built for a uh a, a people that i can't remember the words it's perfect but someone can give me the quote on the comments but he said that, that our constitution our framework of government is designed for people who worship God, who who have a who have a, a high morale, uh, or what's the word, um, a moral duty. You know what I mean. And so it just it just makes sense that way. So I think if the masses of us we truly decline, you know, and we really believe the matrix, if you will, then China will make their move on us, and it will be the end of the country. Um, and this will be really what we're watching is the end of the world the way we know it. Uh, because of COVID, right? Because of the lockdowns. Uh, they're never going to have mass gatherings again, by the way. That's just all, it's all over. I mean, you're never going to have a stadium full of people ever again, ever, if 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 we continue down this road. So I'm just, just letting you guys know that right now. So we either make a difference now while we still can, while we still have abilities, while we still have money, guns, you know, and, and health, if you will, um, or we just, you know, ultimately collapse. And uh, this is, this is the reality. And, um, we have to acknowledge that. So look, what's going to happen tomorrow is, is going to happen tomorrow. I would be paying attention to Steve Bannon's War Room. If you don't know what that is, the Steve Bannon War Room has been the number one podcast politically to that's following this real, uh, the real stuff going on in D.C. and how this could be changed around. So pay attention to that. I really don't know what to expect in this election tonight, the Senate election. I kind of expect the Republicans to lose and we lose the Senate, essentially. Uh, or I expect one to win and one to lose, possibly. So there's that as well. Um, and uh, anything else, I mean, there's just there's just so much. But, you know, I, I'm going to be going to Hawaii for uh, about six days starting on Thursday. So that'll be a you know, wonderful time. Looking forward to doing that. Um, but just wanted to let you guys know that that's where I will be. So I'll be doing videos, uh, through my camera, through my Instagram and through my Facebook as well. I'll be uploading some clips and, uh, won't be able to upload to the podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast now, leave me a rating review. If you love it, that's awesome. I really appreciate it. And if you're listening on Facebook, I'm going to go ahead and post the link to the podcast. You can finish it there in the comments below. Uh, but overall, I really appreciate y'all. Please ask me any questions. Uh, call me, you know, call me sometime. I have people just calling me every day, just wanting to know what's going on. And, and I keep up pretty good. Some days I'm, I'm better than uh, most. So just, you know, shoot me a text, shoot me a call and let's have a chat. Other than that, I hope you guys have a blessed rest of your day. Peace.